Hey, everybody. Welcome to Moms on the Rise Now podcast with me, Cassie Burgos. Today, we are on episode five, and we will be talking about anxiety and how to cope with anxiety. And I will give you guys a little background to my first experiences with anxiety and how I have learned to live with it. So what is anxiety? A lot of people don't really understand what anxiety is because it's a term that is kind of just thrown around um, in our society, right? So anxiety is intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. This can include fast heart rate, rapid breathing, sweating, feeling tired, the list goes on. So anxiety seems to be something that my entire family struggles with. Um, We're all pretty high strung and high anxiety. Not sure why that is, but it seems to be a genetic thing. There seems to be a lot of genetic factors in that, especially with the worrying and excessive worrying. I feel like it could be something that's passed down. Maybe it's a learned behavior. I don't really know. Science and, you know, testing and different stats will tell you one thing. Who knows, right? For my family, it seems to be a little bit of both. It seems to be partially genetic, little bit of learned behavior. Maybe it's just kind of how we deal with life. It's getting super anxious. So for me, my first diagnosis of anxiety was at 14 years old. And I started seeing a therapist because my parents had finally decided to divorce and they were both going through a lot. And 14 is a really bad age, obviously. That didn't help. So many hormonal changes, trying to figure out who you are, you're testing the limits, you're pushing the boundaries, you're just making bad decisions. Every teenager goes through that. So the combination of that, along with everything my parents were going through, and the fact that my life was so unstable, it caused so many problems. So I ended up going to a therapist. I ended up seeing a psychiatrist who tried to put me on medication. Um, I was too young and angry to really give a shit about my mental health. So I didn't really care. You know, when you're 14 years old and they're throwing around words like anxiety and depression, it's just like, whatever, you don't really care. So, um, obviously it wasn't like I dealt with any of that, right? I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't know what to do. Um, my parents had their own battles going on. And so, you know, if you can't help yourself, it's kind of hard to help anybody around you. And they were just trying to stay afloat as they figured out their separation and living situations and finances and, just hell, right? I I don't think any divorce goes smoothly. And, you know, theirs definitely didn't. So, um, you know, 
The reason I really feel strongly about anxiety being a genetic thing is because I see it in my seven-year-old Amelia. And if you have me on social media, I posted recently about Amelia finishing five months of therapy. And so she did it every week. They would do it on like Zoom or Google Classrooms or whatever platform, right? So she could see her therapist face to face. And what they went over was anxiety. Literally, every single problem Amelia was having was anxiety. And it broke my heart because I know that she learned so much of that from me. Sadly, Amelia was, you know, three, four, five years old when I was going through my postpartum depression. And through postpartum depression, I coped so poorly. And I talked a little bit on here about how I was convinced I had a terminal illness and any, you know, abnormal abnormality in my body that I experienced any, anything I pressed and if it hurt or any little twitch or just any little thing I hyper-focused on and I freaked out. And I wish that I could say I did not do that in front of my children, but I did. And I did not realize that Amelia was absorbing all of that. Amelia's always been a perfectionist like literally from the beginning. That's just who her, who she is as a person. That is her personality. Anybody that's known Amelia since she was born, that girl is one of a kind. And I love that about her. But the combination of taking someone, especially a child who already strives to be perfect and slapping on some anxiety is a recipe for disaster. And it broke my heart to see a lot of the symptoms from anxiety that I had showing up in her life. So it got to a point where my husband and I talked about what we were going to do. My thought process was that it was affecting her everyday life. It was even affecting the way she ate. She was scared to eat because she was scared that something would get stuck in her throat. The eating thing was where we really drew the line and we decided that she needed therapy because it was bigger than us. And it was not something that we really knew how to address. And I, I had to turn to a professional straight up. Like I, I can't do it. It's not that's not my level of expertise. I'm still trying to figure out how to cope with my own anxiety issues. And that's just me being brutally honest. And so she had five months of therapy. Her therapist would check in with me once a month and we would discuss it. And I kid you not, she is completely different now to the point where her teacher even reached out to me and told me that her behavior in class is completely different. And even her teacher and I discussed the improvement from therapy. So it was life-changing for Amelia. And let me explain to you why. The reason is that she did not know how to cope with what she was experiencing. She would have all these emotions and feelings and thoughts, and she had no idea what to do with them. Same thing that we go through as adults. It is the same exact thing. And 
it's something that we have to keep learning. We have to pivot and move and change direction and change it up sometimes, right? And that's what happened. Amelia learned how to cope. She learned different strategies and ways to take her mind off of the things that she was thinking about. She learned what things would trigger her. Maybe it was a certain TV show that she was watching. Maybe it was, you know, and it's not even that it's something bad, right? It's not like she's sitting there watching some R-rated movie and it's triggering her. It's just simple little things that she would watch on TV or YouTube that would really get her feeling anxious. And... I'm really impressed that at seven years old, she's already learning how to be so self-aware and learning ways to cope with things that I'm still struggling to cope with at 30 years old. So that is why I push for therapy. And I don't care what age you are. I think a lot of parents feel like they're failing their child because they can't fix every problem that their child is having, or they feel like they can't support their child through every problem that they're having. But guess what? My husband and I did support Amelia through what she was going through. We found her a good therapist. That's what we did because that's what it took to fix the problem. And problems are going to keep coming up. And I'm not saying that she needs to run to a therapist every single time, right? That's not it at all. But if you as a parent are seeing your child struggle with something and you just can't figure out how to fix it or what to do to help, you have to reach out for outside resources. And we are so damn privileged that we live in a society where we have a ton of resources now. So no excuses. You have no excuse to not do it. You just got to do it. Okay, so... Um, I think that there are many different levels of anxiety and I do think that some people use anxiety as a crutch and I think that anxiety has a stigma around it because people use it as a way to avoid their problems, right? And for me, I've always looked at anxiety as a reason for me to do better and a reason for me to push harder and a reason for me to really live my life in a way that brings meaning and purpose, right? I think that when I started having panic attacks, when I was, I was 26, when I started having uncontrollable panic panic attacks. And that was after I had Addie. And I think it took going through that to really understand how anxiety was affecting my life and what it actually meant, right? When you get to the point where your anxiety is so bad that you're having panic attacks, you have probably just given up on ever dealing with the real issues that are under the surface and buried deep, deep, deep down. I think that if you are willing to 
dive deep and really be honest with yourself about what's going on, it is going to begin to that it was an underlying issue, obviously, or else I would have started to deal with it right away. It took me an entire year from having my first full-blown panic attack um, to the moment I actually reached back out to my psychiatrist who I had been avoiding for many years. It took an entire year, right? That's a long time. And in that time, I pushed people away because I was hurting. I avoided the real problems. I avoided parenting to a certain extent. I pushed off a lot of my responsibilities in the home to my husband. Um, when he got home from work at 530 every day, I, that was it. Like I tapped out, I went to my room and I shut down and I didn't care what was going on around me. I didn't spend time with my kids because I was just consumed with anxiety and panic. And this isn't uncommon. You know, when I was going through it, I thought I'm the only mom in the world that is behaving this poorly. And I'm the only mom in the world who feels this alone, even though she has a wonderful life. I'm, you know, I'm all alone in this. I really felt that way. And I remember the first conversation with my psychiatrist, you know, a year, you know, Addie had just turned a year old. And I remember him saying, since you have gotten to the point that you are so far down the rabbit hole, you are barely hanging on by a thread. Because at that point, guys, like I was going to figure out a way to just get like checked into some kind of hospital. Like I literally told my husband I would rather just be like sent away somewhere by myself to figure this out because I can't keep going like this. And I would pray to God and I would tell him, I cannot go another day feeling like this. I don't understand why I feel this way. I I don't want to feel this way. My children don't deserve this. My husband doesn't deserve this. Nobody deserves this. I don't deserve this, right? What about me? I don't deserve this. Why am I feeling like this? Okay. So I go to my psychiatrist and he's like, you know, psychiatrist is for medication. That's why I'm there. And I did it because basically what he told me and what other women told me was it takes the edge off, right? Great. It did. It took the edge off, but that does not mean anything unless you are determined to figure it out. So start the medication. I told you guys previously, it took me like, I don't know, three or four different medications to find the right one because I was being super picky and I wanted to find one that had like zero side effects. And I did, you know, I I found one that works for me. So I get on the medication and within a couple of months, yes, it does exactly that. It takes the edge off, but guess what? It did not fix anything. I had gained, I quickly gained like 20 pounds. And if you don't already know this about me, I have always struggled with body image issues and that like destroyed me. I remember when I got on the medication, I started putting on weight. I was like, okay, 
this is a sacrifice you're making to get right. That's literally what I told myself, right? If you want to eat, screw it. We're just going to eat because you've been through so damn much. And this is not something I want to worry about, right? So I completely put that out of my head. I was like, I'm going to eat. If I'm hungry, I'm not going to even take on this battle with the body image stuff. I'm not going to get on the scale, blah, blah, blah. Great. So then like three to four months after I find the medication that I want to take and, and I'm okay with and I approve of, right? I go back to my psychiatrist to check in, get on the scale. And I'm like, oh my God, I literally put on 20 pounds. I think it was honestly actually about 25 and because I wasn't eating like that whole year that I was going through the postpartum depression, the anxiety, the panic attacks, I wasn't really eating. Um, and I felt so sick all the time. So the medication makes you, you know, takes the edge off, makes you feel a little happier. So then you're eating more, right? So a couple months into it, it was like, I gave myself a grace period to get better in a sense. And then I kicked into high gear and I was like, okay, I, I got to at least lose like 10, 15 pounds. Cause girl, you're not fitting your jeans anymore. So I did that relatively quickly. Um, just started eating healthier and being more conscious. I, w- I wasn't, you know, laying in bed at night eating like I had been for those couple of months. Um, so I made the effort to start exercising again. I tried to run a little bit again here and there. Um, take more walks, right? Just, just easy stuff, nothing too pressuring just to where I felt a little bit better. And then, you know, I had to really think about what I was going to do for my mental state because I had dug myself so far into the ground by not dealing with it. And anxiety really shows up when you're stuffing everything and shoving everything down and not dealing with it. And for whatever reason, and I think a lot of moms can experience, you know, have experienced this and can kind of understand where I'm coming from. It's, it's hard to put into words because I didn't have this with my first child. It was my second one. When I gave birth to Addie, it truly felt like so many of the unresolved issues that I have stuffed for so long just started seeping out. And then when the panic attacks happened, all started coming out. Like all the tragedies I had been through, all the hurt, all the pain, all the shame, all the anger, all the insecurities. I mean, it just started boiling out of my system. And it was the strangest thing I've ever experienced. I mean, till this day, I don't really understand it. The only thing I can think is that God was just like, hey, we got to deal with this. Because time's ticking, you have three children now, you're stuffing the shit down, you're not dealing with it, now I'm going to force you to deal with it. And that's truly how I feel. I feel like he forced me to deal with it. And I did. And I started this mom group at the church I was at. And I started talking about postpartum depression. I started really becoming the woman I was supposed to be and embracing who I was for so long. I felt like I had to pretend to be a certain way. And I didn't know how to just fully embrace the person that I wanted to be because I was consumed by what I thought everybody else expected me to be. 
And I'm telling you something that when you can just love yourself for who you are, for all your differences, for for everything that makes you the unique person that you are, your life really starts to come together and people see it. They see you light up. They see you that you're glowing and that you're happy, that you're genuinely happy. And that's not to say that we don't have bad days. You know, I can sit here and tell you truthfully that I'm at a really, really good place in my life and I feel good and I feel happy, but I still have my days where, I mean, I just want to crawl in a hole and die because I feel so bad and just miserable. And I wish I had an answer for why that is because I have an amazing life and I have so much love and so much support and stability and everything I ever wanted, I have, but I still wake up some days and I just want to disappear. I truly do. And, and it's not even that a poor me, right? I don't, I don't feel bad for myself, right? That's not, that's not what it is. I I don't feel bad because I have an amazing life and I have it good. And I've overcame so many struggles, but it's something I'll probably always battle with. I'll probably always battle with feeling like there's something missing. It it truly does feel like that sometimes. It feels like something's missing. And I don't know what that is. You know, there was a period in my life where I had a really strong faith in God. It was it was really strong and it temporarily felt like the void was filled by that. But it's just something that I've always had. And it's not even necessarily that it makes me unhappy. It's just that I'm constantly trying to improve myself to fill that void. And that makes me anxious. That is something that no medication will fix. Up until now, I've done so much therapy and therapy hasn't fixed that. Um, God hasn't fixed that my accomplishments, my, my motivation, my, my drive, my kids, my husband, my friends, my family, all, I can list off all the amazing things and that void, I I still feel it. And it sucks. It It really does. It really actually breaks my heart. And when I've opened up and talked to other people about it, a lot of people struggle with that too. And it makes me anxious and it makes me worry and it makes me excessively worry because I don't want to live my life feeling that way. It feels so damn ungrateful. It feels like I'm just so selfish and ungrateful for feeling that way. And the problem with feeling that way and the problem with many people who feel that way is they take those feelings and those anxieties and they mask it with drugs with alcohol, with partying and making bad choices, right? Being a workaholic and working to death because you want to find some kind of value in yourself. So we turn to all these things to fill the void and we feel anxious and we try to cope with anxiety by doing things that are bad for us. Some of us overeat. Some of us 
do drugs. How many people do you know who, it's a tough one, who have done drugs their entire lives and they destroyed themselves because they didn't want to, they didn't want to deal with it. If you're experiencing anxiety and a hundred percent, most definitely, if you're experiencing panic attacks, you got some shit going on and you need to deal with it, right? All of us feel anxious at times. Of course, there's things that will make us feel anxious. All human beings feel anxious. But if you live in a state of anxiety and panic on a regular basis, you have got to step back and look at your life big picture and figure out what's going on. If there's things in your past that have happened that bother you and you need to figure that out, you got to talk about it and you got to figure it out. And don't let people tell you to let go of the past and don't think about the past, blah, blah, blah. So unrealistic. I have had people tell me, you just got to let it go. You, you, you just have to forget it ever happened. Bullshit. You never forget, right? If there's something that happened to you or something that you've gone through, you're never going to forget. It's never magically going to disappear and it's always going to hurt. But what we have to do is we have to learn how to cope with anxiety. So I've already told you that therapy is a big one. I'm going to talk about therapy all the time until you're just like disgusted with it because I feel so strongly about therapy. I think that when I was working through my traumatic issues, right? Like the traumatizing things that happened in my life, those big wounds, I used my therapist as a therapist. Okay. The difference now is that my therapist I have now, she's like my life coach. She's like the person that holds me accountable. She's the person I bounce my ideas off of. She's the person that I talk to about my marriage because guess what? You should not be talking about your marriage to everybody. Big mistake. Not cool. Don't do it. So I talked to my therapist about my marriage, right? And so that evolves over time. Some people think I'm fine. I don't need a therapist. Guess what? I'm fine too. Like I'm good. I'm solid, but I need a damn therapist because I still have stuff I got to work through and work on. And I'll be working on myself until the day I die. And so will you. It'll never change. We'll always be evolving and changing and learning and growing. How else do you cope with anxiety? You don't eat trash. Like seriously, you don't eat fast food. I swear to God, I know it sounds so weird, but certain fast foods after I eat it will literally make me feel anxious. Probably because I feel sick. Like watch what you're eating. Please do that. It's good for your gut and your weight management anyways, right? Exercise. I don't mean you have to like join CrossFit. Go for a walk. Go outside. Do something. Move around. Do yoga. I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. Ride your bike. Jump on a trampoline with your kids. Move around. Water. Oh my God. My son. My son probably every day complains of a headache. And I swear, drink the damn water. Just drink some water. I tell my kids all the time, drink some water. You too. You, you have to drink water. 
I'm really proud of my husband. He's never been a big water drinker. He's been focusing so much on drinking water. He's up to like a gallon a day and he feels a lot better. Drink the water. Um, talk about it. Talk about how you're feeling. If you feel anxious, call somebody that you know can talk you down. Because sometimes we just, we get super worked up and anxious over nothing and it spirals. Talk to somebody, reach out to somebody that you know who will just bring you back down to earth. I have to do that. Typically, I call my poor husband or I text my very best friend in the whole world and they ground me again. What else? Hmm. A hobby. I don't know that I really have a hobby. I have things I do like on like routine that make me feel a lot better. I guess reading's a hobby. Um, if binge watching Netflix is a hobby, that's my hobby. But seriously, get a hobby. Find something that you can do for yourself when you're starting to feel anxious. Um, set a goal for yourself. That is something I've always done and I really enjoy because I don't like competing with other people. It makes me feel bad about myself. So I compete with myself. I want to be better than I was last year at this time, right? So set a goal. Maybe you want to, I don't know, maybe it's something physical. Like a few years ago, I ran a half marathon. I was really sick afterwards, but I ran the damn marathon and I have the medal to prove it. So set a goal, do something, do something cool, do something that makes you happy, anything, I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you, but you have to figure out what you like and embrace it and do it. Um, you know, medication, some people just think medication's a band-aid. I disagree. A band-aid washes off really easily. You can rip it off and it hurts really bad. And I just don't see medication as a band-aid. I see it as another useful tool in my toolbox that's going to help me get through a really tough time. And I've been on my medication for quite a few years. Don't know if I'll ever get off of it, but it is how I have been able to cope and survive my anxiety and panic attacks. And I'll never be ashamed of that. A lot of people have problems with medication and they disagree. Guess what? don't care. Maybe if you walked in my shoes, you'd understand. So for anybody who's judging you because you want to consider taking medication, they probably shouldn't be in your life. Get some new friends. Um, speaking of friends, honestly, there are people who I've hung around with that make my anxiety skyrocket. So I don't go around those people and they're not welcomed in my circle. Maybe they're a good person, but maybe they just don't match my vibes and I can't be around them. Choose who you surround yourself with wisely because it only takes one person to shift your whole perspective in a negative way, just like it does in a positive way, right? My husband is able to talk me down and lift my spirits back up. It's literally magical. Like he was just like born to help me through my shit. I swear. And I love him for that. And I'm an absolute nightmare, but like, he's my person, right? He's the person who 
really swoops in and puts me back in a positive perspective. And on the flip side, there's other people who I've been close to, right? And I love and care about, but they'll literally send me into a manic freaking state of crazy. Like I just can't be around them. So if you go around a certain person that makes you anxious, even if you love them, maybe spend less time with them or consider not talking to that person anymore. Um, I had to learn the hard way that there's some people in life that don't want to see me do better and don't want me to actually succeed. And I've accepted that. And that's okay. If you're not in my circle and you don't want to be part of my life and you judge me for who I am and how I live out my life, then we're not meant to be around each other. And that's totally cool with me. So be secure enough in yourself to figure out who could be causing you more problems and set up some healthy boundaries, right? I think that a lot of times in relationships, we can set an healthy, a healthy boundary and the other person can respect it and you can move forward. But in a lot of situations, the people who are being toxic in your life probably aren't on a journey to healing and bettering themselves. And so they're just not there yet. So it doesn't have to be a goodbye forever, but it can be a see you later and you can reassess it later on. So that is just a little bit of my experience and some ways that I've coped with my anxiety. Um, and like I always say, we are all so different. So something that works for me might not ever work for you. And that's fine. And I totally understand that. But I'm just giving you advice based off of what I've learned and my experiences and what I've seen other people go through. I think that it's actually a lot simpler than we give it credit. I think that eating healthy and surrounding ourselves with good people, drinking water, going outside and breathing some fresh air and being in nature and hugging our kids tight, right? All those, all those just little things make us feel so good and can help us so much. So just take a look at those things in your life and just see where they're at and see if you can even start with one thing and work on improving that. Um, right now I'm really, really trying to eat better, which is so hard for me because I'm a stress eater and I'm stressed all the time. So I'm always, eating bad things. Not fast food. Like I said, I don't mess with fast food because it makes me feel sick, but I am addicted to chocolate and y'all know I love my Starbucks and neither of those things are very healthy, but I'm working on it. So really just find one thing that you think could help with your anxiety and focus on that one thing. Really dial in and focus on that one thing and it'll just start to snowball. You'll start with one thing, then you'll want to try another thing. And once you get one habit down, you'll get the next habit down and it just becomes part of your new lifestyle. And it really is a lifestyle change and something that you just have to take day by day. Um, so yeah, that is what I have for you. And I actually just went on my little two mile run because that's what makes me feel better. 
And now I get a date night with my hubby, which we don't get often. So little things like that I really look forward to. And I feel like they really help just ground me and get me to a better place. So take some time this week and figure out something that you can work on, even if it's just one little thing and see how you feel. Give it a try and um, let me know how it goes. And I'll talk to you guys next week on episode six. Thanks for listening.